Hi, this is Amber, and you're listening to Amber on Podcast. Hi, hello, and welcome to episode number 65 of Amber on Podcasts. Thank you for joining me. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe to the show for a weekly dose of valuable solutions and tools to help you lead a more joyful, more informed, and more meaningful life. Every Thursday, I release a new episode that is aimed at doing more good, and I would love to have you join me. This week, I bring you the wisdom of Kate Northrup from her interview on Entrepreneurs on Fire, or EO Fire for all my Fire Nation people out there. EO Fire is a wonderful and a very well-established show that I have covered here before. I love, love, love the host, John Lee Dumas, or JLD, because he brings a really magnetic and inspiring energy to his show and to his guests. Today, we will talk about JLD's interview with the wonderful and talented Kate Northrup, and I will take you inside the mind of Kate as we discuss how men and women relate to time differently and how that impacts productivity, why working less is actually better for the bottom line and increases productivity, also what we can learn about productivity and abundance in the natural world, and the five biggest regrets of the dying and how to avoid them. Kate Northrup has much wisdom to share, dear listeners. This episode is packed full, and I am super excited to share her knowledge with you. I love new outlooks and new insights, and our friend Kate has this in spades. So let's start the show. Kate Northrup's specialty is in helping people do less and have more, so that they can reduce work hours and make more money. But in order to do this, you need to understand a few key concepts. The first concept was a new one for me to understand, but makes so much sense now. It's that men and women relate to time differently, and that impacts productivity. Men's hormonal cycle cycles every 24 hours, while women's hormonal cycle cycles every 28 days. I didn't realize this, but the world is set up on a 24-hour hormonal cycle. As women, we must look at our month instead of our day when we are mapping our productivity. This is really important if you are a woman or if you have a relationship with a woman, you must know that we experience time differently than our male counterparts. We all know that the way we experience time is relative, right? If you're on the beach with your loved one watching the sunset versus when you are waiting in line at Starbucks, those are two different 
concepts of time, and they have to do with our energy, how enthusiastic we are, how present we are. If you are feeling tired or sluggish, all of this has to do with our hormones. Now, for the interesting part. Kate explains that there are four phases of a woman's cycle, and each phase has a key to productivity. So, men, if you can know what phase your woman is in, you can align with that key element of her productivity. Most men know the one phase when you're on your period, but there are three other distinct phases. Each phase is critical, and each phase aligns with a key element of productivity. As women, our brains are wired hormonally to be really good at certain things at certain times of the month. The problem is we try to fit ourselves into the 24-hour cycle, and then we feel like we suck or something is wrong with us because we can't keep up, and it leads to adrenal fatigue. And burnout. For men, it's helpful to know what phase the woman in your life is in so that you can best partner with the lady or ladies in your life. First, we have the follicular phase, which is right after your period and is best for brainstorming and starting things. It's a very high energy time. The ovulation phase is great for presenting, shooting videos, having meetings, being really out there, doing events, that sort of thing. The luteal phase is the perfect time for going inward and doing the heavy lifting part of projects, of completing things, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, getting your checklist out. And the menstrual time is best for taking a break but also an incredibly intuitive time and great for research and reflection. We get our best ideas and are our smartest because our brain is most interconnected during this time. For men, of course, this is different. You are on a 24-hour hormonal cycle, so your best time for doing anything hard or focused is between 6 a.m. and 1 p.m. For men, they have the highest levels of testosterone during this time. So that is the optimal time for working out, getting your best work done, and having sex. It's a nice seven-hour window for a lot of activity. So Kate says that what you want to do is schedule yourself as much as possible to get the most important things done while the testosterone levels are high from 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. and then. Doing things later in the afternoon that don't take as much energy or focus. This is why it's important to get up early and use your testosterone for good, gentlemen. The second piece of insight Kate shares is how working less can improve our bottom line and our happiness. This is a really important topic to me that I care deeply about and I want you to be aware of, dear listeners. A study in the Harvard Business Review showed that very few people can be in a state of high concentration that really moves the needle forward for more than four hours a day total. 
The research proves that we can't really focus for more than four hours each day. This holds true for elite performers, for CEOs, for Elon Musk. This is true for everyone. And most people, most of us, can only focus for two hours a day. And that includes executives and managers and teachers and high-level performers. Focus is something that you have to develop and practice. It's not something that you can pick up and use anytime you want. I spoke about focus in depth in episode number 63 featuring Cal Newport and his book, Deep Work. Our cultural programming has us believe that the longer we keep our butt in the chair at the computer, the more we will get done. And it's just not true. There is a diminishing rate of return. The more hours you spend, you begin to decrease your ability to focus and downgrade your well-being. Research shows that a 55-hour work week led to a 33% increase in stroke and coronary heart disease. And a 49-hour work week, the average in the United States is a 47-hour work week, by the way, but a 49-hour work week is associated with very poor mental health. Human beings are a critical resource. And if we don't care for ourselves and for each other, there's more illness, there's more sick days, more turnover, because there's less satisfaction. Sweden is moving to a six-hour workday nationally to better impact the well-being of their workers. There's an app development company in Stockholm called Philomundus. They, they found that they were able to give their workers a six-hour workday and still increase their bottom line and keep productivity the same because their staff is happier. And they save a ton on office conflicts, which saves a ton of time and saves a ton of energy. So ask yourself, are you really getting more done by working more? Keep in mind, we only have four hours available to us. We can't focus for longer than that. If you are someone who is trying to get this idea to fruition in your life, there is a really helpful tool that I use called the Pomodoro Technique. I've mentioned it before, but the Pomodoro Technique is when you set a timer and focus for an allotted amount of time, let's say 40 minutes, and then take a break for 15 minutes. You repeat that three, four, five times throughout the day, and you've met your maximum focus quota. The key with the Pomodoro technique is to remove all distractions while you're working. Put your phone in another room or inside a drawer and focus only on what you are trying to solve. Then, when your time is up, take a break and step away from the project. Then repeat. You can change the intervals for what works for you. Maybe it's 25 minutes on and a five-minute break. So play with it and see what you prefer. I often switch my time frames up depending on the work I'm doing or how I'm feeling that day. Now I know why, because I'm on a 28-day cycle. Kate says that for women, you have to reorganize it and schedule yourself over a 28-day cycle so everything gets done, but not every day looks the same. So don't stress, ladies, if your productivity looks a bit different as you move throughout the month. Embrace the four phases and use them to your advantage. So. 
Stop struggling against Mother Nature and work with the way we are built in order to be the productive person you want to be. The best example that Kate shares to illustrate this idea comes from nature. Turns out there is plenty that we can learn about productivity and abundance from the natural world. We are literally made up of the same cells as nature. We are nature. We are all interconnected to the elements of the natural world. The planet has four seasons because Mother Nature sets aside an entire season for the change in energy. We too have four seasons. Spring is our time of new beginning. Summertime is a time of full bloom. Autumn is a time of letting go and wrapping things up. And winter is a time for stillness. Mother Nature sets aside just as much time for doing nothing as she does for each one of those three other seasons. And the world still survives and keeps turning. The idea to take from this is that you can devote that much time, three to four months, to be still. I don't mean take three to four months off and do nothing, but throughout the year, taking the time to be still. Most of us are in summertime or springtime all the time. I have lived much of my life this way, and my ideas and my work have suffered greatly. I felt like I was just barely hanging on. My health suffered too. Kate says that we need to embrace these seasons and mimic Mother Earth so that we can change our energy and bring more balance and more focus and more clarity to our lives. As professionals and creators, we are obsessed with doing things and we have so many ideas. But we don't need to worry about taking action immediately like it's a runaway train that you have to catch. We have to temper ourselves and take that time in between projects because analysis is also critical and reflection is also critical. Find out what were the results of my efforts. What should I keep and what should I discard? We get obsessed with taking action and we don't pause and assess if this is actually working. To find out what worked, what didn't work, what can we do better next time. Without doing this, we can't improve or grow and we become stagnant. We all know our best ideas can only come through when we are paused or when we are bored. If we are constantly busy and constantly looking at a screen, we can't hear ourselves. We humans are very intuitive creatures, but we don't take the time to listen to what we are saying, to listen to our inner voice and our intuition. Kate says that we have incredible instincts, but we silence them by being addicted to busyness. We want to be a person who completes what they start. Today, so many people are starting a million things and finishing none. They are going an inch deep and a mile wide, while those who are going a mile deep and an inch wide are the ones having success. The final piece of wisdom I want to leave you with today 
are the five regrets of the dying and how you can avoid them. There was a study done on people while they were on their deathbed, and they were interviewed and asked a series of questions about their life. And from those questions, researchers compiled this list of the five biggest regrets. The interesting thing about this list of regrets is that they were an exact opposition to the way that we have all been taught to find success in life. We have been taught to live up to the expectations of our parents, our communities, and our society, while always working really hard and as much as possible, getting ahead of other people, being in competition, believing that achievement will make us happy. But it turns out the biggest regrets of the dying is that they wish they hadn't worked so hard. They wish they'd had the courage to live a life more true to themselves rather than the life other people expected of them. They wish they'd had the courage to express their feelings to their loved ones. They wish they'd stayed in touch with friends. And they wish they'd have let themselves be happier. We have so much to be grateful for in this life. And there is not one thing on that list that requires any money or status. Don't let this slip by you and become someone who is wishing they would have shared more of themselves or shared more love in the world. Ask yourself, what conversations do you need to have with the people you love? How many times have you thought about calling that old friend but haven't picked up the phone? How many times have you wanted to do something but felt too scared about what others might think of you? Are you going to have those same regrets? Your life is happening now. It's not some future event. So let's make sure we are focused on living a life of meaning and purpose. Let's make sure we have our eye on the prize. In order to do that, we need to work less and not be the victim of busyness. You only have four productive hours per day maximum, so don't overdo it. Make sure you aren't on your deathbed wishing you had worked less. It's up to you, dear listeners, to build the life you dream of and live up to your full potential so that you can do more good for more people most of the time. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for being you and thank you for taking the time to learn along with me. Many thanks to Kate Northrup for sharing such valuable and useful information to help us all do more good and lead better lives. Now you know how to manage your hormone cycle for productivity and why working less is better for your happiness and your health. Now you know how we can mimic Mother Nature's four seasons when it comes to managing our personal productivity. And now you know how to avoid the biggest regrets of the dying and live a life of purpose. For all of the show notes and to listen to past episodes, please visit my website at mytalkingdollars.com. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I received the most wonderful review from a listener. 
I have to share it with you guys. He says, what an amazing podcast about amazing podcasts. Amber is wonderful. Her honest and vulnerable podcast has a lasting impact on your personal development. Most episodes discuss an amazing thought leader who shares valuable information for all of us. What is really interesting is when Amber pulls back the curtain and shares how some of these influencers have made a direct impact on her life. If you are looking for a great perspective on some of the best podcasts available today, let Amber guide you with her unique speaking style and expanding ocean of wisdom. Wow, wow, wow. What a review, Mr. D. Thank you so much for your kind words. I see you and I appreciate you very much. Please go leave me a review and let me know what you think of the show. And please join me next week for another conversation about living your best life and doing more good. Thank you. Love you.